It's Christmas time. I didn't need to tell you that, right? We're nearing the biggest day of the year for gift giving, right? Speaking of which, have you ever received a bad gift, a bad Christmas gift? Yeah, yeah, we've we've all probably received at least one bad Christmas gift. Uh, one article I saw recently suggested that there are some things that um, that probably aren't the best gifts to give at Christmas. Here are just a few suggestions, just a few suggested no-nos for you. If your if your shopping's not done yet, this might help. Okay, I gleaned this from an article I, I saw this week. Gentlemen, you should likely not buy your wife an appliance for Christmas. Okay, even if it is pink. All right. Uh, don't buy your wife a pink vacuum cleaner, gentlemen. If she and she may want a vacuum cleaner, she may need a vacuum cleaner. But wait until after Christmas and and go shopping with her and let and help her pick one. And you know, let her pick out what she wants. But um, I wouldn't buy her one for Christmas if I were you. Uh, you should probably not buy your loved one something that comes with a fee. You know, like uh, I don't know, cell phone, and you know, you pay for the first couple of months, and then they have to pay for it the rest of the time. That's that's probably not the wisest thing to do either. Uh, you should probably not buy your loved one something, um, ladies. Uh, if your husband or or your father needs these. Um, you may need them, but you probably shouldn't buy them for him at Christmas, like socks or underwear or, or a nose hair trimmer. Okay, um, they they may need it, but you know, uh, the author author also suggested that any gift that could possibly be construed as a criticism should be struck instantly from your list. Books about etiquette, dieting, clutter homemaking and personal finance are minefields as well, or any gift that's fitness related, especially if the recipient isn't a fitness buff, says the author, gym memberships, ab rockets, and Wii Fit games can be fabulous gifts for the already fit and already toned. For everyone else, they're improving gifts. One reader reported getting a gym membership from her mother-in-law. Yikes. Another reader reported that his wife wanted an exercise video set one year. He says, I made her sign a release prior to unwrapping it, stating that the contents were in no way a reflection of my views of her. Another not-so-great gift idea at Christmas is a puppy. Need I say more? And how about the misleading box gift? The misleading box, you know, the, says the author, I'm all about recycling, so I was just about to put a little gift for my young relative into a sturdy box my iPad came in when it hit me. Could there be a crueler trick to play on a 12 year old? So she tears off the paper and sees the word iPad, but Oh, never mind. You don't get an you don't get an iPad. No, no gift, no matter how adorable, could make up for that kind of disappointment. Have you ever gotten a bad gift for Christmas? Yeah, of course. All those suggestions go out the window at a white elephant gift exchange, like the one we had last night, right? Did, did you see the first thing I got? I don't know. You know, I got a dog bone, and I was really glad somebody took it because the kids were like, "Cool, you know, Dad's gonna buy a dog now." To... But we didn't come to talk about bad Christmas gifts. You know that? 
I, I want you to see this morning something very precious and very wonderful in God's Word. I want to talk to you not about our gift giving, but about the gifts that God gives. You realize God never gives a bad gift. I want you to go with me to John chapter 14, and we're going to begin in verse 25 this morning, where we're going to see in the text that God, through Jesus Christ, gives the best gifts ever. You're never going to get a bad gift from God. I guarantee it. Now, before we begin at verse 25, you might need to remember this and be reminded that the disciples have heard from Jesus. We've seen in this, this in chapter 14. They, they've heard from Jesus that he must leave them soon. But after all their time with him, they're a bit concerned about this news. They'd been with him for, for so much teaching. As they traveled along together, Jesus often taught them on the roads as they traveled together. And, and they had had such wonderful times of learning and encouragement and teaching from Jesus. And and they felt like they needed continually, they they needed his physical presence. The fact that he says he, he's got to leave them, this is the last thing they want to hear. How could his leaving possibly be a good thing? So in response to what he knows are their concerns, and you remember as we started chapter 14, Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled, right? He knows their hearts are troubled about his departure. So in response to, to what he knows are his, are his disciples' concerns and their troubled hearts, note what he tells them in verses 25 through 31. Follow along as I read. These things, he says, I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning so thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ, our, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What a precious gift you have given us in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would help us to see in your word this morning the wonderful nature and the wonderful fulfilling promises we have and the wonderful gifts that you give us through Jesus Christ. Help us to see them clearly. Help us to take great hope in them. Help us to be instructed by this truth we see here today, that we might be encouraged to be faithful to you, to be obedient, uh, faith-filled followers of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's true. God, through Jesus Christ, gives only the best gifts. He gives the gifts we really need. He doesn't give us anything we don't need. 
There are two very important and precious gifts I see here, and I want you to note them with me. The first one is this. God gives the helper in Jesus' name. In verses 25 and 26, we find these words. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I want you to note Jesus' loving way of dealing with his 11 remaining disciples. He's, isn't he always gracious with them? He's so gracious with them. He's so patient with them. He's, he's still teaching them. He's still instructing their hearts. He's, He's, he's coming alongside them and encouraging them, even though they're, they're troubled of heart, right? You know, I think that we could take a cue from Jesus here. We've got to take a cue from Jesus here about how we, how we deal with each other. Uh, I'm just uh, constantly challenged by God's, uh, God's grace through Jesus Christ uh, toward those that we see in the scriptures and on us and how instructive here as Jesus just graciously continues to encourage his disciples and encourage them. He knows what's going to happen. He knows they're going to run at the first sign of trouble, but he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Listen, I will encourage you. And here's some hope-filled promises here. Here's a wonderful gift we have in Jesus Christ, a wonderful gift he makes clear to his disciples then. God gives the helper in Jesus' name. They'd been listening to what he had been teaching them, not just on this night in the upper room, but also throughout all their travels as Jesus taught all along the way. They knew what he taught was important. They had listened to him. They had, they had gathered that these things that Jesus was teaching were important. He had no doubt reemphasized some things repeatedly to them that they needed to know. And now, can you imagine racing through their minds? How, how are we going to remember all these things that he's been teaching us? He's leaving? How are we going to remember? How are we going to apply these things? How are we going to live by, the, by all these things he's taught us? They, you, you realize they had no way of capturing what Jesus had taught them. And, and as I said earlier, often Jesus would teach them as they were traveling, traveling along the roads from place to place. They had no way to capture what he had taught them. They didn't even understand all of his teachings yet, right? That's obvious. We've seen it here in John's Gospel. There were times they just didn't understand yet what he was telling them. What were they going to do now that he was leaving? Well, Jesus had an answer for them. We look at verse 26. It says here, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Well, that sounds a lot like what we heard back in verse 16, doesn't it? When Jesus told them, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. You see, God gives the helper, the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name to all those who trust in Christ. And I want you to note here that the Helper will teach the disciples after Jesus has gone, after He ascends to heaven. Jesus had been teaching the disciples all along the way about obedience, about what real love looks like. It's loving God and loving each other, right? For Jesus' sake. 
He's been teaching them. And now he tells them here that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them after he's gone. He's going to send a helper. God's going to send a helper in Jesus' name. And the helper will continue to teach them these things that they need to live by and take great hope in. I want you to note that the helper also reminds. The helper doesn't only teach and instruct, but the helper reminds. The disciples would have the helper to remind them of the important truths that Jesus had taught them. These things that they were supposed to obey... These things that they were realizing, oh no, he taught, he told us so many things. <laughs> we realize this is important. How can we remember these things? He taught them that they were to obey and even to teach these things to others after he was gone. How encouraging this must have been for the disciples as they anticipated the departure of Christ. To hear him say, don't let your hearts be troubled. There's going to be a helper who's going to come and teach and remind you all that I've told you. And so here's something incredible for us. Here's something very special for us this morning. This wasn't just something for the disciples. You realize that? This is also for all of God's children. For all those who trust in Christ. This wasn't just for the disciples on that day. This truth was also meant for our encouragement. This truth is for your encouragement. The Helper continues to teach and instruct and remind all who believe in Jesus. Now, you might say, well, I don't have a very good memory. I have a hard time remembering things, and I have a hard time memorizing the Scriptures, and I have a hard time studying. Listen, God has given you something that is, that is not you. It's Him. He's given you a part of Him. He's given you His Holy Spirit to indwell you if you're a child of God, and He has given you His Spirit so that He might remind you and teach you the truths from God's Word. J.C. Ryle writes of the Helper, the Holy Spirit, that light is the first thing we need, and He gives it. It is His special office to open the eyes of our understandings. You see, it's God's work through the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see and believe and understand the truths of God's Word. So if you ever felt like there's just so much to learn from God's Word that you're overwhelmed. Am I the only one? I mean, I, I feel like that sometimes. We can, we can begin to dig into a passage, and it's just amazing to me how much there is, and it's just overwhelming to try to, to mine the depths of it. Do you ever feel like that when you're reading God's Word? That's okay. That's actually normal. That's not unusual. You ever find yourself saying, there's no way I can remember all of these things that God tells me in His Word. There's no, no way I can remember all of these promises when I, when I think I need them most. Ever feel like you're completely inadequate to understand and obey God's Word and, and find the help that you need from God's promises when you need them most? You're not alone. The disciples were there, and they spent time with Jesus. Now, if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ and you've been given the Holy Spirit to teach you, you have this precious gift from God. The Holy Spirit indwells you to teach you, to, to instruct you, to remind you of God's truth when you need it most and to help you make courageous decisions to be obedient to God. You see, because sometimes when it's time for us to be obedient, we chicken out, right? So you put, I'm, uh, that's that's kind of scary. I'm not sure people are going to you know, treat me the way I want to be treated if I take this step of obedience to God in this situation. I think I'm just going to choose to do something else this time. It's scary sometimes when we face the world. 
It's scary sometimes when we face opposition. It's scary sometimes when we face difficulty and discouragement to be obedient. But listen, you have a precious gift that God has given you in the name of Jesus Christ. He's given you the helper, the Holy Spirit, to embolden your obedience, to instruct your heart, to encourage you, to help you remember his truth. And you may think you can't remember anything, but you need not concern yourself with that. What you ought to concern yourself with is getting into God's word, right? How important it is and what a responsibility it is for us. And God has given us this responsibility. This is something we can choose to do. He will not force us to read the Bible. God will not force us into his word. He may allow difficulty to come that gets our attention so that we go to the truth where we should have been to begin with. But see, God gives the helper and he's given us his word. And the helper uses the word. And it's up to us to get ourselves into the truth of God's word and to listen to God's truth and to take steps of yielded obedience to God's word. You see, that's our choice too, whether or not we obey what we read in God's word. But as you obey the teaching of his word, the helper comes alongside you to teach you the truths that you need and, and, and desperately need to obey. As you read God's Word, as you listen to God's Word, as you take in the truths of Scriptures, and I'm not just talking about on Sunday. Oh, how important it is for us to be people of the Word, people of the book, who make a study and a reading of God's truth one of the, one of the most important things that we have in each day, one of the most important priorities we have for each day, reading the truth of God's word. And as we do that, God is so good to give us what we need to encourage you in your walk with Christ, to help you in your times of need, bringing back, reminding you of the things that you've read maybe many times in God's word, just when you need them most. You see, God will encourage your heart. He's given you his helper, the Holy Spirit, to do that, to instruct you in his truth, to remind you of his truth. And God has so graciously given us his word to equip us for that. Yes? How blessed God's children are to have this gift of the helper in Jesus' name who teaches and reminds. There's also another gift we see here. Jesus gives peace. Jesus gives peace. Now here's something we hear, especially at Christmas time. Peace on earth, goodwill to men, right? Peace on earth, goodwill to men. It's a line from the familiar song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, right? And we sing that. We also see a similar statement in Luke chapter 2 and verse 14. And if you have the King James Version, it says there, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now, you may have noticed that the world often uses that familiar line at Christmas time. It's like the world says, hey, this is the time for us all to think about being at peace with one another. And, and let's have some goodwill toward men. Okay, let's use these, these days around Christmas to be nice to each other for a while, okay? And the world kind of clamors for this and says, hey, how about some peace on earth and goodwill to men? But I want you to note something here. Jesus isn't speaking to the world here. You realize that? There's not going to be any peace for the world that, that doesn't trust in Jesus Christ. 
Jesus isn't speaking to the world here in our passage in John in John 14:27. He's speaking to the disciples and this is for all those who trust in him. Jesus says, "Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you." So you might wonder, what about Luke 2 in verse 14 that I just read to you? It's likely we have a better rendering of the meaning here, I think, in the English Standard Version or the New American Standard Bible where it says this, where it's translated this way, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. That's the idea here. When we talk about peace on earth and goodwill to men, who is God going to be pleased with? With whom is God going to be pleased? God will be pleased with those who put their trust and faith in his Son, the one sacrifice for their sins, right? God's going to be pleased with those who repent of their sin and turn to Jesus Christ in faith. So the question is, this, this with whom is God pleased? The answer is, God's pleased with those who, who believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. As Colossians 1.20 reminds us, peace only comes by the blood of Jesus' cross. You realize that? There's only ever going to be real peace on earth when when unbelieving people believe when those who are without peace find their only hope in Jesus Christ. Which means that to be a partaker of that peace, since peace only comes by the blood of Jesus Christ, to be a partaker of that peace, you've got to believe in Jesus Christ. And for all who believe in Him, Jesus gives this gift. And we see it in the text today. Jesus gives this gift, His peace. My peace I give to them. My peace I leave with them. Now that's not to say the world doesn't need this peace, right? Though the world says, hey, peace on earth, goodwill to men, the world def- definitely needs peace. That's obvious, isn't it? It desperately does need this peace. We all need this peace. But this gift is for all who are in Christ. It's a precious gift that comes by way of Jesus Christ. It's for those who place their faith in God's Son. And while the world clamors for peace and looks for it in every way and place possible short of trusting in Jesus Christ, those who have trusted in Jesus Christ are given His peace. It's a gift from God. You cannot create it yourself. You can't buy it. You can't make it. It's a gift from God. And note that it says here in verse 27 that that Jesus leaves His peace. This is His legacy. This is the legacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we think of a legacy, we often think of leaving something to our families when we're gone, right? And we think in terms of wealth or property or or maybe even as the honor that's given by others because you've established a good name, but not Jesus. That's not how Jesus thinks. He leaves a legacy of peace. And just think of it. For the one who believes in Jesus Christ... The greatest peace of all. What is that? The greatest peace of all is knowing that your sins are forgiven. Right? Because none of us in here knows the depths of one another's sins. But we know God knows. And when God says, I've forgiven you because you've trusted in my son, Jesus Christ, that is the most wonderful peace on earth when we know how much God has forgiven us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Another truth the disciples are soon going to learn 
was that their Savior lives. That also gives us peace, doesn't it? To realize that Jesus lives. You see, the disciples were first going to run in fear because they thought that all was lost. And when they saw Christ crucified, they thought things were really bad and completely lost. But they would see Him again, wouldn't they? They would see Him risen from the dead. And they'd see Him, not only that, they'd see Him ascend into heaven. And they'd know that He's living. And all of God's children enjoy peace, the peace of Christ in knowing their Savior lives, right? I mean, if Jesus doesn't live, what are we believing in anyway, right? Jesus lives. And because He conquers death, that means we have victory over death also, those who believe in Him. And what a wonderful peace that gives us. So all of God's children enjoy the peace of Christ and knowing their Savior lives, their Redeemer lives, the one who is crucified for their sin lives. And not only that, but just as we heard Jesus teach the disciples earlier here in chapter 14, He goes to prepare a place for them, right? And there's room for everyone in the place that He prepares. He goes to prepare a place for them. So there's also the peace that's ours in knowing that there's an eternal home with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for all who believe in Him. What a wonderful peace that Jesus gives us. Something we take great hope in. Now there there may be things that cause us to fear this side of heaven, right? We may fear the failure of our health or we may fear the loss of loved ones, or we may fear financial difficulty, or you may be able to think of a lot more things that we could easily fear. I was kind of reminded of this yesterday. It was kind of humorous. My mom called me and said, I just wanted to warn you that I'm going to email you a picture of our tombstone. (laughs) We're okay, but just wanted you to see it. (laughs) So, So I... I thought about it. It's like, well, that's kind of funny, you know. And they're in fairly good health, um, but they're planning ahead, right? And we could, as a family, we could easily fear their home going. But I thought, you know, I I would grieve if my parents went home to be with the Lord today or tomorrow or whenever. I will grieve, but I'm okay with that. They love the Lord. Jesus Christ is their Savior, right? And so I know where they're going. I know they've got a an eternal home in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. So my hope is in that. As a matter of fact, I thought it was a little funny myself. I thought, wouldn't it be cool if if uh, if they were raptured before they had a chance to use their tombstone and gravesite? You know, all that work that they'd gone into. You've probably some of you might have done that too. You know, you kind of prepare for the future. Wouldn't it be great if we don't have to use that stuff? Note also in verse twenty-seven that the peace Jesus lives is a gift. It's a gift. We fear many things this side of heaven. But we need not fear this. Jesus gives us His peace. We don't have to earn it. He says, My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And Jesus' gift of peace is something we can't earn, we can't, and we can't repay Him for it either. It's like the reminder from Romans 6.23 that the... The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you hear that? The free gift of God. (laughs) It's eternal life in who? Christ Jesus our Lord. Not in you, not in your pocketbook, not in what you've done, right? 
And just as salvation is only by a gift of God and only through His Son, so is His peace. We don't need to earn it. We don't have to work for it. We can't repay Him for it. His peace is for those who, who do this, who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can give Him our allegiance. We give Him our faith. We trust in Him. And Jesus gives us His peace. And what Jesus gives is not given like the world gives. We see it here, right? In other words, there's absolutely no way the world can give the kind of peace Jesus gives. I mean, you watch, you look around, and you can see a lot of ways the world tries to find and give or sell peace. But the world can't give the peace that Jesus gives. There's no way. There's no way the world can give this kind of peace. And the world... You're going to find earthly pleasure and earthly comforts, all kinds of earthly pursuits that, that may give you a little bit of peace, a little bit of joy for a time, but all those things are so fleeting. And often it seems like the more of those things that you have, the less you enjoy them. The, the world's way of giving peace is so fleeting, so temporary. Earthly things don't last, do they? Just drive around the neighborhood tonight, okay? Tomorrow's trash day, right? You just drive around the neighborhood and you're going to find out that earthly things don't last because people put stuff out by the road, us included, that just wear out, right? But the peace that Jesus gives, it meets our deepest needs for now and for all of eternity. You realize that, that Jesus intends to give you his peace that you can enjoy it now, this side of heaven. And there's an eternal peace as well that we look forward to. So though we may find many things to fear in this life, we can take the words to heart that Jesus gives his disciples as they thought about his leaving them. In verse 27, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It, it reminds me that fear is natural, right? It's a natural thing for us to fear. It, they did, we do. But Jesus says, you don't need to fear. You don't need to let your hearts be troubled. Take great hope in my promises. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We heard the same thing right at the beginning of chapter 14, didn't we? And this must be important, right? I mean, if Jesus comes back to this thought and reminds them again, it's important. It is. And the way to a heart that's at peace is to trust in Jesus and believe and obey his word. You, you realize that, right? It's to trust in Jesus and to believe and obey his word. Or maybe the, the, better, the better order of things is to trust in Jesus, obey his word, and believe it. <laughs> Don't wait till you believe it to, to, to obey it. Because as you obey it, God gives you understanding and he gives you peace. And we're going to have times of fear. But the peace of Jesus Christ is ours if we trust him and we obey him. It's like the hymn writer who said... Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I think he was right. I think he was talking about peace. When he's talking about happy in Jesus, we're talking about peace. There's no other way to find peace than to, than to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ and his word and to trust him. I want you to note also that we can enjoy this gift of peace because we've already been assured of the victory. Jesus makes it clear in verses 28 and 29. Look at verse 28. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. I will come to you, he says. 
Note how the victory over fear is assured by the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus will not be defeated at the cross. Actually, he purchases victory at the cross. He told his disciples that he was going away, but he also assured them that he would come to them again. And, and we might naturally think, well, of course, he's, he's going to appear to them after the resurrection. But I don't think he's talking about that time. I think he's talking about his yet future return. Certainly, they'd see him after his resurrection, but but I believe he's pointing here to his future return because immediately in verse 28 he says, if you loved me, you would you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. You see, he's going to leave them again. He's going to leave them in death. He's going to rise from the dead. They'll see him again after the resurrection, but he'll leave them again. And that's what he's been talking about all this time. I'm going to leave you. It's not just his death on the cross. He's talking about permanently. He's going to ascend to heaven. And after this, he's going to send the helper. But he says, if you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now, certainly, I don't think Jesus is suggesting here that they don't love him. I think they love him. I think they love Jesus. But I think what he's saying here is that if you truly took great hope in my promises and you cling to this truth, you would be anxious for me to leave so that I could go to my Father who is greater than I so that, so that I can return and so that I can send the, the helper that you're going to receive, the one who will reveal truth and teach you truth and encourage you and help you. You see, Jesus makes his point saying the Father is greater than he is, meaning that while he is taken on, Jesus Christ has taken on this human flesh. And in so doing, he's lowered himself. The Father did not lower himself to that station, but Jesus Christ did, taking on himself even the weaknesses that come with having human flesh, like like hunger and thirst. We see that, right, in the, in the life of Jesus. Even, even the weakness of, of grief, Right? Jesus grieved and wept and Jesus even was tempted, right? And he's done so. Each of those things he faced at, at the direction of the Father out of obedience to God the Father. And so he says, you, you should be glad. You would rejoice that I go to the Father because the Father is greater than I. And the Father is going to fulfill all his promises. He's going to fulfill the work and complete the work that I began by taking steps of obedience to the Father. And by His obedience, Jesus purchased the victory for all who trust in Him. And all who trust in Jesus are going to see Jesus one day as He says, I will come to you. And so He gives us His peace because we know the victory is already ours. Jesus will come and take us to Himself to be with Him forever, and we rejoice in that, and that gives us peace to live this side of heaven. Yes? So the disciples and all who trust in Christ can rejoice that Jesus ascends to the Father because it's another fulfillment of the Father's purpose and plan and promise. We have victory purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ, as He obeyed the Father. He sets the standard for obedience. He shows us what it is to obey. And so in verse 29, Jesus says, And now I, I have told you before it takes place. I'm here to encourage you, to give you this instruction. I'm telling you before it takes place. Why? Verse 29, So that when it does take place, 
you may believe. You see, that's one of the greatest gifts God gives. The peace that's ours through Jesus Christ as we believe in him. And the peace that's ours through Christ is so important because as Jesus reminds the disciples, there's an enemy. We have an enemy. We see it in verse 30. I will no longer talk much with you. In other words, my time is short. For the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. You see, their time together is short. Judas is already going about the betrayal of Jesus. But note how Jesus points to the ruler of the world. That's that's Satan, right? There are many evil acts performed by many evil people in this world, right? But you need to know that behind them all is the greatest betrayer and deceiver of them all, and that's Satan. Behind all those evil acts by evil people in this world is the betrayer, the evil one, Satan. But note here that Jesus says, He has no claim on me. You see, Jesus Christ would go to the cross sinless. He would take the punishment for our sins, the sinless one. No claim did Satan have on him. No control did Satan have over him. So you can see why the helper who teaches and reminds of God's truth and the peace that Jesus gives are such great gifts, right? Because as Jesus went to the cross for us, he went the sinless one, the blameless one, the the whole and perfect Lamb of God. And we may see the darkness of the ruler of this world at work in this world, but God is greater still. God is greater still. And as Jesus says in verse 31, but I do as the Father has commanded me. There it is again, that obedience to the Father's wishes and plans. Why? So that the world may know that I love the Father. Jesus' love for the Father is clear, isn't it? As he takes steps of obedience to endure the penalty for sinners, the sinless one. And just as Jesus obeys the Father and goes to the cross to take on himself the punishment for sinners, he goes innocently with no sin of his own, and by so doing, he shows clearly to the watching world the love of God. He declares very clearly how much God loves sinners, how precious God's gifts. So would you agree with me this morning that God never gives a bad gift? All of his gifts are good. Oh, we need courage because we have an enemy But Jesus has gone to the Father and we've been given a helper who's going to teach and remind and encourage and embolden our obedience and give you his peace in the process. If you're you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, how important, right? That we yield to Christ. That we trust in God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have not done that today, if you're not God's child, if you've not repented of sin and believed in Jesus Christ for salvation, you desperately need the gifts that God will give you when you trust in His Son. I would challenge and encourage you to do that today. If you don't know Christ, you need to trust in Him today. You'll never know. You'll never know the Helper until you trust Christ. You'll never know the wisdom of God as He reveals His truth to you and helps you understand and teaches you until you trust in His Son. You'll never know the peace that Jesus gives until you become His 
disciple. If you don't know Christ, I'd love to pray with you. I know there are others here who would love to talk with you. If you have questions, talk to me. Do you even do this right? Right at this moment as we talk and pray? Let's bow our heads together. Father in heaven, we thank you for these truths. We thank you for these wonderful promises and, and the wonderful gifts that you give through your Son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would break through the hard and stony, unbelieving heart this morning if there is, that you would help them see the love that you have for them demonstrated so clearly through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help them to see and believe your truth. Help them to trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, that you might move into their life, giving them your Holy Spirit so that they might understand and have the helper and see the truth and, and believe and be encouraged and strengthened and have the peace of Jesus Christ at work within them. God, I pray for your children today that we would not neglect these wonderful gifts that God has given us, you have given us, Lord, through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to not neglect the peace. God, help us to, to not choose fear and run from the peace that you promised when we trust in you and when we take obedient steps to walk in your truth and walk with Jesus Christ. God, strengthen us for that. Strengthen us for obedience. Help us to honor and glorify you as we leave this place today, God, I pray that our lives would declare very clearly the love of Christ for lost souls. And may our lips proclaim the truth that you've made clear to us this morning. God, I pray that you would help us and give us your truth. Give us remembrance as you, as you tell us in your word today that you will teach us your word and you will remind us of your truth. Help us to be faithful to, to immerse ourselves in your truth and to trust that you will give us just what we need in the right occasion, at the right place, at the right time, be it a time to be encouraged ourselves or be it a time when we witness the love of Christ to an unbelieving world. Help us to share the gospel and give us your truth to share and help us to make it plain and clear so that others might see your Son and believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.